Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and welcome to With Friends Like These. Today, brought to you with an assist from fellow podcaster Sarah Marshall from one of my very favorite shows, You're Wrong About. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Anna. How are you? I am. I'm okay. I'm. I'm, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to talking to you. Do you want to? Do you want to tell people who you are? Oh yeah, good question. I feel like right now I'm someone who just started selling Marsha Clark tote bags and is feeling really grateful that there's, speaking of shopping, (laughs) that there's a consumer base for that, a very small but passionate one that sends you selfies. So I started out as a fiction writer and then became a nonfiction writer, and now I'm mostly a podcaster. I guess moved to Philadelphia. I drove past a plaque about Billie Holiday when I was trying to park to record with you today, which I find very exciting. I'm a person who feels history is all around us because it, it is. You know what? I love that you actually just really answered that question. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm terrible when people ask me how I am. I think about it and say how I am. So when I asked, who right. are you? You didn't give me your jobs. You gave me like well, who you really are. Mike is my podcast co-host Michael Hobbs is making a new website for us. And the other day he was like, Sarah, send me your bio. And I was like, I have intentionally avoided writing a bio for myself for quite some time. And now I'm just, I wanted, yeah, that's, that was my first experiment with writing a new kind of bio. So I'm glad that you liked it. I have a couple of housekeeping items that I would like to take care of before we get started. First of all, dear audience, we are going to take up responding to listener questions again in the new year. So if you have a question dealing with relationships and politics or changing beliefs, yours or other people's, please drop a line to withfriendslikepod at gmail.com. Again, that's withfriendslikepod at gmail.com. If you want to include a voice memo, that would be awesome, but email is fine too. And second, just in time for holiday shopping. (laughs) There is a new With Friends line of merchandise in the Crooked store. You can buy a pencil bag emblazoned with my personal slogan, trying, or you can buy a t-shirt with this show's sign-off, take care of yourselves. And these are both perfect gifts for anyone in your life who is just doing her best. So (laughs) I would now like to present the content that everyone has been waiting for. Black Friday madness still going strong across the country tonight. Record crowds and wild scenes as frantic customers were determined to snag jaw-dropping Black Friday deals. Retailers opening their doors earlier than ever to a crush of frenzied shoppers. Crowds inside this Walmart in Houston, Texas, literally throwing themselves on top of discounted TVs. A father even leaving his infant in the car outside of a Best Buy so that he could shop. The baby is okay. So I think that our shows have some obvious common ground, which is they both exist to make people rethink what they thought they knew. Mm. Now, you focus on historical moments and moral panics, and this show is more about, like, privilege and ideology. Mm. But we're really in your territory here, so I want to do our best to kind of, like, borrow the format of your show, because I love it, for this show. So how how should we begin? I would love if we began with you telling me your preconceived ideas about today's topic, which is Black Friday, and what you feel like American pop culture has tried to teach you about it so far in your life. And then we can talk about how close that is to the literal truth and what the distance that we find between those two things might be about. Okay, Black Friday. Um, 
It's the day that people trample over each other to get (laughs) cheap TVs at Walmart. That's sort of my basic understanding of Black Friday. I, I realized in thinking about this show that I have no idea, like, how old Black Friday is. I have no idea, like, how it sort of came to be a thing that everyone talks about. Like... I was walking to the studio and there are Black Friday like signs in every kind of store you can imagine. Like little mm-hmm. mom and pop bodegas have Black Friday yeah. <laughs> signs. And also, of course, there's Cyber Monday now. I do know because of my because I used to be like a baby punk rocker that there also is such a thing as International Buy Nothing Day, which I think is also mm-hmm. Black Friday but I'm not sure. Yeah, I believe so. And if it's not that I've been doing it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And and in my life, there's Small Business Saturday also, which because I traditionally celebrate Thanksgiving in Pittsburgh means that every Small Business Saturday for the last few years, I've gone to a place called Cop Out Pierogies. So, and to me, that's that's my experience of post-Thanksgiving shopping is like Small Business Saturday, Cop Out Pierogies. And I feel like, To me, one of the most interesting things about Black Friday is that it is kind of an invented phenomenon, and that's always interesting to talk about, like how many of our holidays are organically developed based on kind of folk customs and habits that people naturally developed in their communities, and how how many holidays are instead dictated kind of from the top down. And I think Black Friday is more in the latter category. But I also feel like I, you know, the casual media discussions of it that I've listened to for most of my life have described it as something that has, I don't know, that feels more organic than that. Yeah, the way it gets talked about is as though we as a culture decided that the day after Thanksgiving is the day that we just we just like bum rush, you know, stores. Yeah. And that's just like, oh, yeah, of course, that's what humans do, because that's the official beginning of, of Christmas buying season. Which never made sense to me that you would want to necessarily do it the day after, because as a kid, I, well, <laughs> this was my first, my first memory of, of learning that the day after Thanksgiving was the biggest shopping day of the year. And I don't remember as a child hearing about it referred to as Black Friday. Like that language was there, but I feel like it became much more widespread really in the last 10 years and it has become more of a kind of a news event in the last 10 years. But when I was a kid, I remember my mom telling me, oh yeah, thanks. the day after Thanksgiving is the biggest shopping day of the year. And I was like, well, why don't, why don't people buy stuff after Christmas when everything <laughs> is on sale because people aren't trying to buy Christmas presents anymore? Not realizing that, you know, normal people who are living in a society don't just, you know, I was eight. I was just thinking about uh, you were very the opportunism of a child who wants to scoop up the presents that no one else got. That's pretty wise, though. I mean, that you were a smart shopper. It's, it's an eight-year-old, Well, basically. I think that does speak to my attitudes toward shopping to this day, which are that <laughs> this is something that that to me is is very such a deep aversion. I just feel like I do not want to be in a crowd of people. And what we're going to talk about today will... It will validate <laughs> instinct for me and perhaps for other people. Like, because my, the scariest thing to me about Black Friday, and I think the thing that has, has caused the single most horrific incident directly connected to Black Friday, in my opinion, 
um, had to do not with consumerism itself, but with the dynamics of crowds and crowd management. Mm. And I also think, I think this is another thing I've, I remember kind of always thinking about Black Friday that I don't think I've invented this about my insight that it is, there's something kind of weird about it being called Black Friday. Like there's an acknowledgement that there's something horrific about it, that there's something menacing about it to call it Black Black Friday. Black Friday is another name for the day Christ was crucified. Like why would we call, it's never going to sound great, right? (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because I remember hearing on on the radio some NPR report years ago saying it's called that because it's the day when retailers finally go into the black. And I was like, well, really? It's and it's it's true. Like that is true. And and that was the connotation that was pushed onto um, consumers and something that we were told. But the origins are are older than that. They go back to the fifties, the early sixties. The first recorded or the first known use of the phrase Black Friday in writing to refer to the day after Thanksgiving is in 1955. It was discovered recently by a linguist. And there's an offhanded reference, I believe, in a trade magazine to Black Friday, the day when so many workers call in, quote unquote, sick because they don't want to go to work because they just had Thanksgiving and they're tired and people want to go shopping and they're all, you know, it makes sense to have the day after Thanksgiving off. And so it was a day that was reviled by employers and eventually just made into a holiday because you couldn't count on people to show up to work. And I think that's another aspect of the holiday that, or the holiday, I don't even want to call it that, the day. There's, that's another aspect of Black Friday that has come into my awareness recently, and I, I have a feeling we're going to talk about, which is mm-hmm. it's the crowd management part, the consumerism part, and then there's the exploitation of employees part. Yeah. So, Yeah. You just started with like what sounds like the earliest history of it, but yeah, tell me a story, Sarah. Tell me, tell me, <laughs> tell me how Black Friday came to be. Well, but that is such a good point because if the earliest reference to it is like ah, Black Friday when people call in sick because they want to be with their families and buy Christmas presents, you know that does speak to its real lineage as as a a bad day <laughs> for working people. <laughs> And then in the early 60s, we start to hear Philadelphia policemen refer to the day after Thanksgiving as Black Friday because that's a really unpleasant day to be a police officer in Philly because it's a lot of out-of-towners streaming in to go to the Army-Navy game that weekend and holiday shopping starting and just kind of a lot of crowds, a lot of congestion, a lot to deal with. And in a trend that we're going to see carry through the issue that if you have a lot of people in any given place, you're going to have more incidents and altercations, I think. And so it's just, no, again, it's, it's a day when the police officers <laughs> are unhappy to be at work because they're, <laughs> they're dealing with more, more stress, than, which I think a day that, that you know, when the, when the cops are complaining because like today is, is worse than the other days and it's because of shoppers and congestion, like there's something interesting about that like that that there's that degree of stress in in a holiday is um so that's always been part of it this idea that you know it's it's just it's never sounded jubilant to me and apparently it's never been meant that way and the you know the kind of joy of the businesses going into black is um 
secondary to it being a day when people don't want to show up to work, basically. You see, it sounds to me like the businesses going into the black thing is an overlay. That underneath everything, there's a much more fraught history that sounds more real to me. It's been retconned in, right? Because if if there's like, you know, because and we call the day that the stock market crashed in 1987 Black Monday. Like it's not, it doesn't sound like a prosperous day, even with recent connotations. It just, it does, it's kind of a misfit, right? It is. And it also seems like, oh, this is another, I guess, a point that I feel like people are starting to acknowledge. It's parallel or addition to the employee exploitation thing, which is that Black Friday is really a day when privileged people get Mm. to do stuff, right? Like, because you reminded me with the cops who are usually working class people. Like, people who, there's, and we, it's funny because everyone thinks, so the thought is Black Friday is the day that everyone goes shopping, but you can't have everyone go shopping unless some people are working. Mm-hmm. So there's just an inherent divide between the shoppers and the people that have to go to work instead of being with their families on that day. Right. Yeah. And, the, and then the fact that we've seen in the last few years, Black Friday get kind of pushed wider and wider mm-hmm. outward. So we have people, you know, the sales that start on the morning of Thanksgiving Day, which just, if we must have a day of this kind of fraught bargain getting, like, can it just be one day? <laughs> no. But then no, at the same time, no, maybe if it's spread out, there's less pressure. I don't know. Um, but but the thing that that I think is most interesting about Black Friday now and the sense I have about why it became such a thing and became something that really in the last 10 years has become synonymous with violence and mob scenes um, is that I think the sense of bargain getting and consumer free-for-all is a little bit invented because a lot of the sales involve this kind of false sense of urgency where there are a limited number of big ticket items and there are these doorbuster deals. And there's just, you know, the <laughs> Black Friday ads, I, I think, used to be more stressful than they are now. I, I want to think that companies have toned it down a little bit. But I mean, to me, I can feel in, in my <laughs> limbic system the tone of a Black Friday ad and it's $29 VCRs, $48 dishwashers. Wow, that was a really you know, good... Just like run and <laughs> scream and grab what you can get. You know, it's just, it's... It's it stresses me out the way that Fox News does the kind of memories. Oh, I think of there's they're, they're very similar tones, right? Because yeah. there's this this right, idea like of other scarcity. People are going to yeah. get your stuff. Other people are going to get your stuff, and and I just wanted to point out that the, even the term doorbuster, which for I remember yes. when I first heard that as a kid, I was like, what what? <laughs> like I didn't. I guess maybe, I don't know, I guess I'm not literal enough as a person <laughs> that I couldn't quite figure out, like, what does that, oh, oh. No, but that that does imply a battering ram, it right? It does. So it's then you violent. Have Black Friday incidents where people, you know, knock down doors or form these these human crush situations. And it's like, well, you called it a doorbuster. Like, you got what you were asking <laughs> What did for. you expect? So yeah. when did that start? So there's the... Black Friday employees don't call in. Black Friday policemen don't want to go to work. Yeah. And then, so when when do we get to the consumer free-for-all? We're definitely seeing widespread use of the term Black Friday in the 90s. I remember, I remember that. But if you look at 
local news coverage of Black Friday sales in the 1990s. It's mostly just the door is open and people run in and they look all happy (laughs) and they get their stuff. And I'm sure there was competitiveness and I'm sure there was, you know, I'm sure there were some scenes. But I think you start, I mean, another thing too is that the, the way something looks doesn't necessarily have a direct relationship to the way the news covers Mm -hmm. it. So if there were, you know, there could have been plenty of Black Friday altercations in the 90s, but they weren't covered or they weren't connected to Black Friday, or they just weren't part of the way the media liked to depict the tone of the event. But I think that the moment things changed was when there was the first death that was directly connected by the media to Black Friday, the first of these events that we know of when a seasonal Walmart worker was killed by a crowd trying to get into a Walmart on Black Friday. Nassau County Police point over videotape looking for suspects in the shooting or the shopping stampede that killed a 34-year-old Walmart employee. This cell phone video shows police trying to help Jim Tate Damore after he was trampled. It happened at 5.03 a.m. Yes, they had just opened the doors. He was unlocking the doors, actually, for Black Friday bargain hunters inside. Tragedy, though, did not stop the shoppers. They, they hear the men yelling. They still went and got their bargains. When they were saying that they had to leave, that somebody, an employee got killed, people said, yeah, and they're yelling. I've been online since yesterday morning. They just kept shopping. They kept shopping. Don't get married yet. You don't get the baby yet. Don't do nothing yet. Now it's over. It's over. Man. Dalmore, who lived in Jamaica, Queens, graduated from Freeport High in 93 and later attended Nassau Community College. The first thing that I notice about that clip is that the news anchor accidentally starts to say it was a shooting, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know, to me speaks to the incongruity of all this, that like you're not, people aren't supposed to die while shopping, like there's something, something has gone terribly wrong if that's happening. Um, but then we hear that he was trampled to death, and that's a really, that's an interesting word. What what do you know about this event? What what does that word bring to mind for you? I knew that it happened. Although if you had asked me about it before I knew we were going to do this episode, I don't think I could have told you it was in Long Island. I, I <laughs> believe that I knew it was a Walmart because I, that's just my association with Black Friday is like violence at a Walmart for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> there are like Walmart... Of all the retailers that have Black Friday incidents, Walmart appears to have had the most. There's a website that tracks Black Friday deaths and injuries, and Walmart is the clear winner. Oh, my God. That that, that website exists somehow doesn't surprise me, and yet mm-hmm. kind of is kind of horrifying that it can't exist. Right. Uh, and, but I'm really glad that we're going to talk about this because— what I realized when I was thinking about it was, of course, I don't know this guy's name. And he's a person, a person, a person died because people couldn't wait to get their hands on, you know, discounted Furbies. I don't know. I mean, who knows <laughs> what they were buying? Like, nothing is worth the thing that happened. Right. And and so I'm, I'm glad that we played that clip in part because— People should know that it happened, and people should know that this person had a name and a family. And I, I believe we— Yeah, and a family who's not too happy with Walmart. I would hope—I <laughs> would hope not. I mean, there has to be something behind the fact that Walmart is the place that gets associated with—not just associated with, but where 
most of these incidents happen. Like it probably has something to do with the way they yeah. treat their workers, I'm guessing. But I don't yes. know. And I think to me, so one of the things that I find really interesting about doing you're wrong about is that these, you know, if you're covering a topic like Black Friday, or if you're talking about, you know, a, a specific news event, you know, a crime or a scandal that really captivated America or something that we we are drawn to and to dedicate some of our our very finite attention to in a world where a lot of things are asking for our attention. Anything that we find interesting, anything that captivates us the way that kind of news coverage of Black Friday and, and the horror of Black Friday, I think really captivates us. You know, that it's not just because it's interesting. Lots of things are interesting, but we don't pay attention to them. It's because we're being implicated in some way. And I think Black Friday is like so many other things in the sense that it, it shows us a lot of what's wrong with America right now, but in this kind of condensed, crystallized format. And so the way that Gente Moore died, I think, had much more to do with Walmart's choices than it had to do with any of the individuals in that crowd or that crowd of people itself. Because there were people there who had been waiting for 24 hours mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because they had been given this, this rhetoric of other people are getting your stuff. Mm-hmm. You need to fight it out for these doorbuster deals. You need to get some of the small numbers of these big ticket items that you need, that your family will want. It's 2008, by the way. We're having a recession. When else are you going to get these things? And aside from the the kind of big ticket items, which we talk about a lot in Black Friday coverage generally, there was a Black Friday recently when Walmart sold close to 3 million towels. People were buying towels on Black Friday, like millions, millions of towels. Mm. And there was a washcloth set where you could get six washcloths for a total price of 29 cents per washcloth. So it's not just people fighting over TVs. I think there have to be a lot of people who are going to Walmart on Black Friday to stock up on like things they actually need for their homes and can afford on other days. Our producer, Brock, um, was also excited for this episode in part because he said that this is, you know, Black Friday has been problematic for him in that Mm. he started out as a, again, like good kind of punk rock person. Uh, You shouldn't shop on Black Friday, like, you know, resist capitalism. And that very, I'm very sympathetic to that point of view. But then he realized at some point that, like, a lot of people he knew that's the day that they could afford to buy stuff. Like, to make that day a day of resistance can be a thing. If you can do that, you know, great. The International Buy Nothing Day, right? Mm -hmm. But if you need to get your washcloths at 29 (laughs) cents per, then, Yeah. yeah, like, who am I? Who is anyone to tell you, yeah, no, don't go on that day. It's morally wrong to go on that day. It's it's wrong that you can't afford a washcloth at full price. Like, what's wrong with society? Like, if you're working or trying to work and you can't afford a washcloth. Yeah. Right? Let alone a TV. Um, yeah. And then, you know, th- let's get into the weeds a little bit about, about human 
quote unquote stampede disasters because Ooh, I actually don't I'm, I was like part of me was like oh is she going to talk about the actual way he died and you are aren't you a little bit oh, okay right. I'm going to talk about crowds okay, okay. and that's going to be worse for you I think uh, we don't we don't need to get into the deep details of of Damore's death but but let's talk about um, the way that crowds function because that's going to be scarier and relate to all of our lives. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so there's a really wonderful New Yorker article that talks about this Walmart incident and also crowd dynamics generally. It's called Crush Point, um, and it's by John Seabrook. And the point that it makes that I find most upsetting and that I think runs counter to the way that we think people die in crowds is that the if you're dying in a crowd, then you're not in the part of it that is in control and that is in control of its movement or that can decide to step on you or to not step on you. If you get stepped on in a crowd where people are being crushed to death, the person who is stepping on you is not trying to. They are being forced to because they can't control where they're going either. And that's what appears to have happened at this Walmart. Mm. And that appears to happen because Walmart itself, knowing that they had created this sale that incentivized competition, that incentivized being in line for 24 hours, that got around 2,000 people to be standing in line in this parking lot in Long Island in the bitter cold. They also made it so that Walmart had two security guards on staff, one of whom showed up for work that day. Mm. They also didn't put in or budget for or pay the extra workers that they needed or partner with security or do any of the things that they could have done to try and control this crowd in any way. Like this was just 2,000 people unsupervised waiting and getting more and more frantic. And essentially, there was a kind of low set of barriers that were holding the line back from the front entrance in the vestibule. And you can probably picture this because all Walmarts look the same, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, you like... I'm, I'm familiar with the general setup of a Walmart, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's the main sliding glass doors. There's a big vestibule that has the vending machines and like the claw machine and... The carts, right? And the carts, yeah. Sometimes the carts, not always. Sometimes the carts are in a someplace else. But yeah, that's like the entrance and exit doors are there. And then there's the doors to the actual store and there's the greeters and, and all that. So there's this kind of, kind of buffer zone, I guess. And so basically people started jumping the barriers. The Walmart managers tried to call the police for help. The police came and said that this was not part of their job description. Wait, this happened before he died? This was before. This is so they called the police before and the police I'm just wow. <laughs> As with a lot of things on you're wrong about, the story that we thought was tragic becomes more tragic the more detail there is. <laughs> Wow. I mean, this reminds me so much of the episode that we did on Kitty Genovese. The complexity of the story reveals the gray of it. You know, like the complexity, mm -hmm. well, obviously complexity is a gray area, but it, it shows us that it's, 
anytime it feels easy to identify a hero and a villain, you're probably <laughs> wrong. Is that? It's, it's probably. I mean, it has to be more complicated yeah. because humans don't come in those models. Yeah. Right? Because even then, it's kind of squishy and regular. Because even thinking about that, the clip and thinking, well, it's really easy to be like, well, I'm mad at those people who said they still wanted to buy the shit that they were there in line for. What I feel like complicates that is the idea that you were talking about the literal crowd dynamics and how the people who trampled him were doing it against their will, right? Like they weren't, there's no such thing as a crowd that's like, hey, look at that guy, we'll stomp on him, right? Or maybe there is a thing, but that's- I mean, sure, but- (laughs) Sorry, there is a thing, but that's not a crowd, that's like an act. But that's not a crowd, that's not a stampede, that's that's a beating. Yes, (laughs) yes, and this was not a beating. I mean, mean, and- but because a crowd, by definition, doesn't have volition, you know, it's right. a crowd is a group of people who don't know each other and who are all just trying to buy wheeze. <laughs> <laughs> and so the people that still wanted to buy their their shit, like, it's, yes, it sounds really gruesome and cold hearted, but at the same time, that, I can also see that that's their individual will, whereas when, the, when they mm. were a crowd, there wasn't any will there wasn't any like individualization so i almost feel right. like demanding that you can still buy your we is like being like well that wasn't me that wasn't i didn't do and that it couldn't have been me it couldn't have been me yeah because i'm here shopping normally yeah and the you know and also that people tend to do weird and normal things in the aftermath of trauma and that's how we tell ourselves that we weren't just part of something awful Mm -hmm. you know I yeah I will not know how to judge those people until I am part of a crowd that accidentally crushes someone and then I'm in a Walmart and it's five in the morning and I'm like well I've been standing out here for 24 hours because I felt that I really needed to get all my towels (laughs) you know um but but I want to talk about the dynamics of how this happened this briefly, which is that basically we had this crowd of 2,000 people. They had jumped the barriers that were keeping them away from the sliding doors. They were starting to crowd in against the outer set of sliding doors that were the entrance to the vestibule. And because there was only one security guard and because the police had declined to help, the management decided to just get eight to 10 of their biggest workers, most of whom worked in the stockroom. And Damore was one of them. He was tall. He was a big guy. And he was there basically to stand in the vestibule when they opened the doors and to reach down and help someone up if they fell, basically. So the management clearly didn't understand the force of the beast that was outside, basically, because it wasn't going to be possible to help anyone up if they fell. And the way the density kind of functions is that there's people pressing in at the back and people pressing against the people in front of them. And then there's nowhere to go at the front. And so people at the front reach this crush density where they can't control where they're going. People are potentially being lifted up off the ground. And there is a pregnant woman who is being pressed up against the sliding doors at the front, which the Walmart workers notice. And so they open the doors just a second to let her in. And then this riles up the crowd more. And then a Walmart worker goes in with a couple of people who are clearly not workers, so they're getting special privileges. 
and the crowd gets more upset. And then basically, as soon as management opens the doors, they start to buckle. And one of the sliding doors goes down and falls onto more. And so the people who are at the front of the crowd are pushed over him mm. and into the store. Underneath the door. Yeah, and he's under the door. And so the people who one could say are responsible literally for killing him were the ones who were in the least control, the ones who had no control of where they were going because the people in the crowd who were pushing forward were at the back. So who knows <laughs> Who knows what um, time of death was. But he died of asphyxiation. He wasn't crushed to death. He died, and the way that, this is the way that you tend to die in crowds. He, he died of asphyxiation. Mm. I'm fascinated, for one, that people study crowd violence like that, that there's science behind it. I mean, of course, people study, they're scientists studying everything. It's a growing field. We're having more incidents like this. This is a problem oh, wow. that's getting bigger because our populations are swelling and our infrastructure, as we can see, are, are not, our infrastructure is not keeping up. When I talk about stamps.com, I always wonder who still goes to the post office and why? Don't you want to just, for instance, avoid crowds? Stamps.com brings the post office right to you. No need to interrupt your workday or fight traffic to get to the post office, especially now during the holidays when the post office is extra busy with people sending their cards and gifts. That is why you need Stamps.com. Anything you can do at the post office, you can do at Stamps.com. Stamps.com brings all the services of the post office right to your desktop. Whether you're in a small office sending invoices or an online seller shipping out products or even a warehouse sending out thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. And with Stamps.com, you can get five cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer. It saves you time and money. It's no wonder that over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office this year. Sign up for stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with my promotion code FRIENDS, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus a free postage scale. No long-term commitments or contracts required. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in FRIENDS. That's stamps.com and enter FRIENDS. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. With friends like these completists who listened to last week's show are maybe aware that I was briefly parted from my third love bras. And I, since you care, I know you must, I have now been reunited with them. And so today I can tell you I'm more comfortable than I was last week. And it seems weird. And it's a kind of thing that my husband probably would be disappointed in me for sharing with strangers. But that's how much I love third lip bras. I was wearing them before they became a sponsor of the show, and I continue to endorse them. And they don't even give me any more free ones. I got like two free ones, and I just keep buying them. 
Over 14 million women, including me, can't be wrong. All you have to do is take an online quiz to get your correct fit. For instance, did you know that breast shape matters when it comes to finding a perfect bra? Yes, breasts have different shapes. We all knew this. We've all been in locker rooms. And there are certain kind of bras that are better for certain kind of breasts. And this quiz helps you identify your shape without having a stranger handle your things or stare at your chest. Every customer has 60 days to wash, wear, and put their bra to a test. If you don't love it, return it and Third Level wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are also there should you wish to talk to an actual person, strange as that may seem. Hands down, it's the most comfortable bra you'll ever own. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off their first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash friends to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash friends for 15% off today. I was just thinking about this that I was going to come in to talk to you uh, this morning because I actually um, needed to get something at Bloomingdale's. And Bloomingdale's Mm -hmm. opens at 10. And I got there like 15 minutes early. And there were indeed, it wasn't like a massive crowd, but it was like the flagship Bloomingdale's in New York City. And there were, there was a crowd there, there were people like standing around. Who knows how long they'd been there? Probably not 24 hours. And it was, I saw that it, Bloomingdale's, of course, has, it's not a Walmart. It has, you know, probably eight different entrances. But I was watching the people on the inside, like the security guards, like checking the doors. And like there were multiple employees. And they did an interesting thing, which I'm, maybe you can tell me if this is crowd management dynamics. Hmm. They opened the outer doors first. Hmm. And had people like had two, you know, people at every two attendants kind of like treating people like almost I feel like this is psychological, like being like, yes, you can come in. Yes, Hmm. you can come in, like sort of making it like a we're going to be orderly here. We're going to like (laughs) and we're going to welcome you in. And then people kind of stood around in the vestibule part and then they opened the inner doors. Hmm. So it's more like going to the theater. <laughs> well, I almost wonder, I was like, I wonder, you know, that's probably a helpful way to transmit the idea that we're not all in competition, right? Like, welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, but of I course- think so. And I think, and so the, you know, my sense about the kind of frenzy that people are are whipped into and, you know, the kind of scary TV news coverage Black Fridays that we see, like, you're doing that to your consumers. You don't have mm-hmm. to do that. Like, you don't have to have ads or we don't have to have even news coverage that's saying, like, go in there and it's a free-for-all and people are brawling and grown men are fighting over toys and this lady pepper sprayed people over a brat stall. <laughs> and this reporting that's, you know, very much scolding the people who are taking it to that extreme, but also I feel like there is this cultural acceptance of, yeah, it's a free-for-all. Like, you, you, you get in there. Just get in the fray and, like, get your TV, you know? And there aren't actually a limited number of TVs. <laughs> no, there are more TVs than we could ever watch. <laughs> I also think Black Friday is interesting as a phenomenon because I do think you have to kind of urge people into that frenzy. I'm not sure if that yeah. comes naturally to people. I mean, it's part of human nature, but at the same time, Americans especially are very line-based. Like, we will just get right. in. You've ever seen those social experiments where people stand in a line and strangers just come up and start standing in the line, too, because they think hmm. it's a line for something? No, but that sounds <laughs> I've in done keeping that. with other social experiments. I've actually I've done about. that. Like, I've, I'm looking for a line, you know? Like, I know that I'm supposed to be in a line somewhere or I assume it's going to be a line. 
And so I yeah. see a line and I get in it, like, and assuming that's my line. You're like, this must be going somewhere. This must be going These somewhere. other people know. I mean, that's crowd <laughs> dynamics, right? You're like, these other people know yeah. what to do. And if these people are in a frenzy, then I should be in a frenzy. I mean, that's another thing that's scary about crowds is that the most powerful emotions are the ones that take over and the most powerful emotions are aggression and fear. But I do think we have, you have to be goaded into it. Like, and, yeah. and it's because it is not true that there are a limited number of these things, right? That's not true. It's yeah. just not a true thought. And right. you, so you have to make people think that or else I think people are kind of like, I'll get in line. That's what we, we're taught from, right. th- from our, being children. We are taught to get in line. I think the thing about Walmart and the reason so many incidents happen there is because Walmart is is a godless country, you know, like the reason that Walmart is also able to persist as a sort of public space and, you know, in in, in parts of America that really have no other public spaces is that you can kind of, you can live your life at Walmart, you know, there's, they're into loss prevention, but you can... You can get up to a lot of shenanigans in the parking lot and you can socialize and you can kind of have your life there. And it's the same kind of low overhead that creates the rock bottom prices allows there to be just, you know, workers who are not trained for the kind of Mm -hmm. social worker slash cop role that they so clearly need to be in a lot of the time and a place where you can, you as the consumer are clearly in charge, you know? We really respond to the cues we're given about how we're expected to behave. And I think if people are expected to be violent and competitive with each other, we will live up to that. But I think that's also all about creating a false sense of urgency about how you have to do all this shopping now. And if you stand in line for 24 hours or for 12 hours or even for two hours, you have this intense sunk cost fallacy at work where like you've put in the work like you have to get a bunch of stuff you have to spend a few hundred dollars at least you have to get the big deals and you can actually get better prices on some of the big ticket (laughs) items in December so it's not the best time for prices as young Sarah Marshall already knew you were (laughs) well and even before Christmas even before Christmas there's better shopping days so I think I think there's something happening with the fact that Black Friday became such a known phenomenon after the Great Recession. Right. And, you know, if you want to get people to really bleed money on one day, which also falls at the end of the month, so you can get your stock prices up a little bit, you can get a sense of what holiday shopping is going to be like, you can indeed go into the black, although that's not where the name comes from then you want to just get them as volatile as possible. I do feel like my feeling about Black Friday that has seems to still apply, like you've complicated it as I knew you would, as I wanted you to. But my feeling that still applies is that it is, you know, all of capitalism smushed into one, you know, 24-hour... <laughs> doorbuster deal. Yeah, doorbuster deal. That it is the both, I mean... The dynamics of late capitalism are are present in a very vivid way in mm-hmm. Black Friday, including this idea that we're not entirely in control or that we aren't in control, yeah. period. And that we as consumers are harming workers, but we can't even help it. But we're not you the know, ones like, who can change it. Like, we're not the people that can do <sighs> right. something and about like it. And like, if you're going to Walmart to buy your cheap towels on other days, you know, you're like, well, this is still a very cheap towel. And this is a corporation that benefits from prison labor. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm against that, but I need a towel. 
Yeah. I mean, I was actually, we were, I was just talking about this with a friend about trying to buy made in America stuff. Although you can buy made in America stuff that's made in a prison too, right? Not made in America doesn't necessarily mean good things, right. all good things. Um, and ha- No one do that. No one markets <laughs> stuff that way. Don't use this loophole. Um, that uh, um, a lot of people, including I think the kind of well-meaning people that listen to this show, like I, you know, I've tried to take it upon myself, like to, like to buy, buy made in America, buy union made stuff. Like I want to buy ethically and also not use straws and not use lids on my c- coffee and all that. But ultimately, like that's just stuff to make me feel better that the consumer mm-hmm. end of this is a very small part of the problem. Right. Like mm-hmm. the big changes aren't going to come from individual consumer choices, however laudable they may be. They're mm-hmm. just they They have to come from, you know, mass movement and yeah. legislative change. And this incident at Walmart is is that, you know, writ small. It feels and it's like. such a great example of how the corporate overlords can say, what in the world is that thing? And then you look away and then they switch the wine. Um Princess Bride reference. But like, <laughs> but like, you know, the fact that if we're blaming the people who, you know, trampled this man and bought their TVs, then we're not blaming the corporation that said, we're going to pay minimum wage to seasonal workers and then have them be the only line of defense against a mob of 2,000 people who have no, I mean, that's... And then say, help people if they fall down and just not not allow it all for the fact that we've essentially created a situation in which there will be human crash events and there will be more of them, you know. Although the other thing about Black Friday, and this is kind of the silver lining for me, is that the number of shoppers who buy stuff on Cyber Monday rather than going into any brick and mortar store at all has eclipsed. Hmm. The number of of people who are going out to buy stuff in stores on on Black Friday or for Black Friday events, like there's now more online commerce around the kind of weekend after Thanksgiving than there is brick and mortar trade, which I find reassuring because it means that there are a lot of other people, I think, in America who are like, I'm just going to buy stuff online because I'm scared. (laughs) And (laughs) even a great deal isn't going to trick me into getting myself into a situation where I might accidentally kill someone. (laughs) I I mean, it's hard to argue with that, but um, (laughs) I do wonder... And then with Cyber Monday, it's like, well, how many people, you know, what, how much suffering is a, a result of, of Amazon? Yeah, see, that's what I was going to say. How much suffering <laughs> is Amazon causing its workers to experience? And we just don't see it. So I was going to say, like, part of the problem yeah. with Cyber Monday, though, it seems like that maybe yeah. the problem is that, like, don't we like brick and mortar stores? Don't we think that those places are, are things to support? I mean, really, the solution here is Small Business Saturday. That is actually... Yes. The t- the thing that we should support, although not to the extent that it creates crowds that then do harm. I like that it's called Small Business Saturday. It's like just a small, just do some small business. Yeah. Just buy some pierogies. They're very small. I, I guess I never thought of it as the instruction to buy small things, but. <laughs> well, I made that up, but that's how I'm going to see it from now on. Just little trinkets. Just buy just a small. It's, just, just get some, some washcloths. <laughs> Made in America. You know, boutique washcloths. Um, I think that, 
you know, the real solution here is, of course, like, let's just rethink our consumerism entirely. Yeah. Like, let's just rethink, like, why we buy stuff. And um, let's hold Walmart to account yeah. for once in its life. Well, I yes, that would be ideal, too. <laughs> I mean, ideally, I mean, ideally, a lot of things, right? But, you know, it is also true that if Walmart was a just place, you know, that definitely this poor man wouldn't have died if they had adequate worker protections, if they had adequate pay for their workers, if they if they didn't create the frenzy that, you know, stores actively seek to create, you know, then this wouldn't have happened. I did want to ask if this changed anything. Like, yes, there's been a movement to Cyber Monday, but did did this tragedy have an impact on Black Friday? At all? There was a prolonged court battle about this because Walmart first was facing criminal charges and then agreed to pay a bunch of money to avoid criminal charges, um, including a $400,000 fund for the victims, which is, I don't think very, that's, you know, they sell a lot of towels. I think they have more money than that. (laughs) A lot. No. OSHA cited Walmart for inadequate crowd management and asked for a $7,000 fine. And after a lengthy legal battle, Walmart agreed to pay. Wow. Like that's, you know, less than like that would buy a lot of 29 cent towels, but. (laughs) (laughs) It would be a lot of money to any of those shoppers, I'm sure. But not enough, not enough to anyone. I mean, and it's just interesting. I mean, I'm sure they're very stingy as a rule, but it's it's interesting to see them fight that small a fine for that long. That suggests that there is some kind of possibility of precedent here that they're very scared of. Well, yeah. I mean, especially if these things are going to just keep happening. And I, do you know, I mean, do we, I, the, some of the clips that I saw when we were talking about doing this show were pretty recent. What's mm-hmm. also funny about the clips, and you get the sense in, in the montage that we did, is that the tone and, like, phrasing is the same every year. It is just yeah. <laughs> like, you don't know what year it is if you play a no. clip, clip from the news about Black Friday. Like, There's only one Black Friday. It's just a constant, you know, we just open the door to it once every 365 days. Yeah. Um. Well, the website that tracks Black Friday deaths and injuries, one of the interesting things about it is that it's often unclear whether the incidents were directly related to Black Friday. Like there will be a stabbing or a shooting in a mall or um, a brawl over a parking spot in a Walmart that turns deadly. There are like several Walmart parking lot altercations. And so with that, the question is, is this... A case of, you know, just if you bring large crowds of people together who maybe already have some issues, like, will that be exacerbated? And is the sort of tone of the day contributing to that? There's relatively little in the numbers that's like Demore's death and that it was, you know, directly related to shoppers being in a frenzy. And what about the push that at least I've noticed, but my my vision is definitely skewed to have workers be more vocal and organized in resisting the violence and frenzy of Black Friday. Like there's been, there was sort of a, a, I know that some evangelical churches, progressive evangelical churches were making an argument, um, not like high and mighty necessarily, but this idea that you should let your workers be with their families. Like that this is, Mm -hmm. this is a, you know, 
it is uh, not very Christian if you consider yourself a Christian to force people to be away from their families on a on a on a special day on a day when we were supposed to be together. So, and I also know that there's been more training for people on Black Fridays. Mm-hmm. Like, is that a thing? Is that something that has started to emerge that might be a pushback against the excesses of that day? Yeah, I, I think that we're taking it more seriously. Um, and I think that workers' rights as a concept has gone more mainstream in the last 10 years, honestly, um, and has become less of a radical issue, <laughs> I want to say. Um, but I, I feel like if we're seeing Walmart as kind of the synecdoche for this, which it is in a way, where it's kind of the problems of Walmart are the problems of Black Friday are the problems of capitalism, which is that there will always be people who need low-wage seasonal work and who are working for an employer that wants to have the most razor-thin margins possible between worker pay and between profit. Mm -hmm. To me, the, the bigger issue is just corporations and companies and workplaces being honest about the kind of danger that they're exposing their workers to in the name of profit. You know? Yeah, and as 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 I ponder the question that I put to you, I realize that even the way that I frame that does still put some of the onus on the cons- on the smaller side, on right. one of the smaller uh, dominoes. I don't know the nesting dolls, whatever it is that metaphor that works here. That the that again, like for real change to happen, for one, of course, it's not just about Back Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, for right. another, that the changes have to happen on a scale that's, you know, national, if not international. And there's, you know, again, we can make individual choices that make some difference and that make us feel better. And I don't, that's important, right? Mm-hmm. It's important if you if you find that you can not, <laughs> if you find that you can resist being part of a crowd on Black Friday, if it's something that's possible for you, uh, then that's great, you know. Don't do. And if you end up in the crowd, then yeah, then how are what what is your responsibility as a person trapped in a crowd? Like, what are you capable of, and what can you do within that? That might be a good See, this is that metaphor for the way we all feel living in America right now. I was going to say that's capitalism. <laughs> is that our options are are incredibly limited, and that yeah. the solution actually perhaps or the the way out. Um, to be more literal, is coordination, is when mm-hmm. a crowd becomes mm-hmm. a union, right? <laughs> <laughs> when a crowd becomes a movement. I'm so close to just singing something from Newsies. I feel like we're on the cusp <laughs> of a musical moment. Well, actually, if the crowd would break into song, that would solve a lot That of would problems. kill everyone out. Yeah, if they were singing, they wouldn't be pushing. So that's what I'll try next time I'm in a crowd is I'll just see if I can get, you know, a good, like, like I'm trying to think what's the song that I know all the words to. Right. <laughs> it's hard to pick something that would unite angry people who want TVs. Um, yeah. Um, hmm. Like, I guess The Clash, probably not everyone would be able to sing the whole thing. Um, uh, like Lost in the Supermarket, that probably would actually. Honestly, everyone knows my heart will go on. Might want to try that. That might also enrage some people more, but. <laughs> I would say anything that everyone knows all the words to, yeah, like is gonna get you out of that situation. That's gonna unite people mm-hmm. and not divide people. Because I know, like, it's a characteristic of karaoke that you, 
in, you can mm. hate a song, but if you know all the words to it, mm-hmm. like it's hard not to sing along. So I would go for like I'd go for heart, my heart going on or maybe some Madonna. Well, and this is my th- one of my theories about Disney is that one of the really it's so rare to have something that transcends culture and generation, but that is actually the experience a lot of us have with Disney and Disney music. And so I think, you know, like I, my most recent karaoke experience was singing Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid with like a couple of hundred people, many of whom joined in with me. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the highlight of my summer. And I'm not (laughs) saying that that would necessarily work in a Black Friday situation, but like something that if people can join in with you, like they will be taken to kind of an emotionally vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. Try that. <laughs> that's that's a good way to end the show. <laughs> if you're in a violent crowd, try sing. No, it's probably you know violent. Let's not maybe that's over. Do what you need to feel safe. Do you need to feel safe? But also, if it seems like something that could possibly happen, <laughs> we would like to hear from you. <laughs> 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 if you try starting a sing along. And, you know, um, I think that it definitely, I definitely like that image, if nothing else. So I, 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 like, I like that. I like that as a way to take us into the actual weekend of Black Friday, the image of a, of a mob turning into a chorus. <laughs> so that's my dream. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. This was, it was so lovely to talk to you. And because we're trying to wrap things up uh, here, I will just say goodbye to everyone else, too. Thank you, audience, for tuning in. And now more than ever, especially since you can buy a T-shirt with this on it, please take care of yourselves. Bye.